Something holds us here. Something holds us here. Maybe it is the wind, snow, or hoarfrost on trees. Maybe it is the wind, snow, or hoarfrost on trees. Snow holds the wind on trees, or maybe us here. In the Red River Valley of the North, wind, water, and cold travel through our lives. Later in the night, I am startled. I can hear my mom saying, "The water is coming. The dikes are breaking." She comes into my room and tells me to get up. I listened and I heard a flock of geese flying by, heading south. I could hear the leaves falling and the trees swishing in the cold, constant wind. From the river that runs north into Canada, from the fertile valley of tall grass and wheat, from the long view across the prairie, Rural Voices Radio presents "Something Holds Us Here: Writings from the Red River Valley." Wind makes music in the summer grass. But in winter, there are no leaves to blow. A storm is coming. Crash goes the lightning. Boom goes the thunder. I run home. I'm Kim Stafford, a teacher and writer. I've been working with teachers around the country in a program that encourages writing in our schools. Under the stewardship of the National Writing Project, we've written and read our work to one another, and talked about how to teach writing. The Red River Valley sits squarely in the north central Great Plains. The Red River of the North runs through this land, separating western Minnesota and eastern North Dakota. The land on both sides stretches far and open. Our land, North Dakota, by Mackenzie Schneider. Blustery winds bite my nose with their ancient secrets. I hear the spirit calling my name. The evergreen trees are whispering about the quiet. Gunshots from hunters travel through tall grass. It's life or death for the animals. A red river pours over our Dakota territory, rushing across the gravel roads, flooding the streets. People and animals are running. Summers warm us as gentle winds blow more softly. Sunroofs open as we speed down country roads. My hair is flying everywhere. Birds fly in flocks across the sky. Chickadee by Anna Claire Tambrick. My favorite bird is a chickadee. I like to watch chickadees in my bird feeder. I love the colors of their wings. The colors of their wings are black and white. They are such a small, pretty bird. Her song goes like this: Chickadee dee dee, chickadee dee dee. The first school here opened in Pembina, North Dakota, in 1818. From then to now, all across the plains, east and west from the Red River, children do a lot of their learning outside the classroom. A child's teachers include the birds, the wind, darkness, and the northern lights. The North Dakota Fall by David Leo Grant. The wind seeps through the cracks of the door, whispering to me to listen. I listened and I heard a flock of geese flying by, heading south. I could hear the leaves falling and the trees swishing in the cold, constant wind. Then all of a sudden, the cold wind stops. I see a light. I see my grandma coming to visit me. 
She comes in and automatically says, It's freezing in here. Turn up the heat a little. She glances out. Do you want to walk down to the lake and look at the stars? She asks. I answer, yes. We gather blankets and heat water for cocoa. Finally, we make our way down to the lake. While we are walking, a cold breeze hits my stone gray face. We get down to the lake and cover up with our soft blankets. The stars look like fireflies flickering. Behind them, I see the northern lights moving like the cold, wavy waters of the Arctic Ocean. The land here is flat. It's so flat you can see silos and steeples in a small town miles away. The black earth is some of the richest in the country. Fields are grids of brown, green, and gold lined with rows of trees called shelter belts to slow the wind. Farmers grow wheat, flax, barley, oats, and sugar beets on large farms. My dad is a farmer, like Harry Olson. When my dad came home, he was hot, sweaty, and dirty. My little cousin Dane from Minneapolis said, Kari, Kari, Uncle Steve sure likes to play in the dirt, but he really works in the dirt. Every day of farming, my dad wears a cap. One day, my cousins and I got to ride on the combine, and we got to chew some wheat. That was fun. And now I have run out of memories from last summer. Hay by Julia Bird. Golden chaff swirled through the air, landing on and sticking to sweaty faces and backs. While we worked, my friend's dad eyed the boiling black clouds above us. We have to throw faster, he said. The rain is coming. All around me, my family and friends heaved heavy bales onto the slowly rolling flatbed. I glanced at my arms past my heavy work gloves. My arms stung as sweat slid across the open skin. They were rubbed red raw with the scratches from the coarse hay. Finally, we laughed with relief as the raindrops began to plop and the flatbed rolled safely into the barn. When a farmer's not playing cat and mouse with the weather, there's always maintenance. Shovels and brooms can be tools for pondering one's daily life and legacy on a Minnesota farm. Cleaning the Grain Bin by Laura Hoglum We crawl into the steel prison armed with weapons. A shovel, a face mask, a broom, a cut-off t-shirt. I am inside the circular bin. The potent aroma contracts my lungs. The rotting grain smells putrid. The air is humid and thick. The silver metal intensifies the intense summer heat. We sweep the wheat into piles, capturing the tiny forsaken seeds as they run and spray everywhere. The grain is mischievous and unruly, having no mercy. The forsaken seed is whipped around the curve for nothing. We shovel the grain out the door and into mounds for the dogs to roll in and the mice to eat. The grain wants to be remembered, to have some part of its miserable existence to pass on, if only for a short time. Country Girl by Jenna Nineman. 
As the dust flies by under the tires of your 1983 Ford F-150 on the way to the field, you know you're a country girl. If you spend your long summer days in the dusty cab of a green John Deere combine jamming out to Brooks and Dunn, you know you're a country girl. When your mother yells for you to grab the clothes off the clothesline and get your kid brother out of the pig pen, you know you're a country girl. When you come home from school and you are sent looking for the sheep that got out, you know you're a country girl. While you're preparing for the senior prom and your mother asks what you want done with your hair and all you can think of is pigtails, you know you're a country girl. Before the first plow bit into the tall grass prairie, the land seemed to have no boundaries. Now the prairie is almost gone. People are trying to bring back the old grasses. Some types are scarce. Minnesota writer Paul Gruco says the prairie is hard to understand because it's too subtle, too vast, too intimate. It isn't accessible by automobile. You've got to get down on your knees to see some of its best features. I know one person who's done that. He, by Paulina Cleve Graf. He came out of McCluskey, North Dakota, a tenacious cluster of lives that painted today's hearts. He's the son of the superintendent of schools, who also ran the abstract office and encouraged many souls to blend their fertile sweat and aspirations into the soil of the prairie. He traced his steps across the prairie, learned the whistle of the gopher, and studied the beauty of the pheasant with his constant companion, Mike, a Scotty. He lost his father at six. His mother continued alone to build a man of the prairie. He took in three orphan fox kits, he turned his passion for invention into engineering, patents, and law. He believes his daughter can do anything. He carries the solitary prairie inside. The resourcefulness of the prairie salts his blood and punctuates his humor. Spying on Deer by Levi Hurt Read by Alicia Helgeson Fast, watchful, very, very scared. Skinny and jumping in the wind. They smell the enemy near. They smell me. The deer run for their lives. In truth, the Red River Valley is not a valley. It's the floor of ancient Lake Agassiz, which was created when a glacier melted. The enormous lake flattened the land. Later the lake evaporated and the prairie took root. Buffalo, elk, deer, and antelope grazed. The Mandans, Sioux, Arikara, Chippewa, Cheyenne, Assiniboine, and Hadatsa hunted the game. The Sioux and Cheyenne called themselves Dakota, which means friend or ally. We are Dakota. Times have changed, but the land feels old. Digging for Fossils by Jacob Hurt, read by Kane Newland. Brian and I were Digging for fossils on the driveway, Brian found a T-Rex tooth, or maybe it's just a rock. I'm going to take it to the science room and ask if it's a fossil. I'm going to keep it and put it in a safe place so my sister will not chew on it. Kelly Slough by Jason Elvington. A few miles out of Grand Forks, down a bare dirt road is a wildlife reserve. I like to go when it's cloudy and quiet. 
on days when the sky is drooping closer and closer to earth, saturated with rainwater. This is Kelly's Slough, where birds soar freely and ducks swim in graceful rows, leaving the runt in their wake. The birds have run out of places to go, their territory taken by agriculture and urbanization. The slough is a place for these wild angels to take flight like they did when the Great Plains were open prairies with grasses, buffalo, and Native Americans living in cooperation with the rest of the animals. These people saw themselves as part of the great food chain. Today the walls are closing in on the wild world. It's being tamed by man and his machines. Over the pond one can see the reflection of the dark speckled sky. The owls sound their interrogation calls through the cool, clear North Dakota countryside. The dark night air smells like fresh grass. The breeze hums manches in the trees. Blue herons, pintails, and wood ducks fly in and out of the water. The spirit of the place is in the bird calls. I feel energy from something greater than mankind. This is how the Great Plains were meant to be. Fur traders came to the Red River Valley as early as 1750, but the big rush of outsiders came after the railroads arrived in 1870. Norwegians, Germans, Russians, Swedes, Irish, and Scots came for the farm jobs and free land. Then companies from the east and wealthy families began to create wheat farms so big they were called bonanza farms. The region became the breadbasket of the nation. Farmers plowed the grasses under and planted their own culture. Now their ways are the old ways. Good Old Norwegian Food by Emily Jodak. The Norwegians like their meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meal after meal after meal, with only red jello and beet pickles for a change of color. People also eat lutefisk, but not as many, for obvious reasons. It's slimy and smelly. You could almost call it disgusting. Most of the food that we call comfort food has butter or cream. This means we often have rich and delicious dishes, but they are filling. These meals sit heavy in my stomach. Rabbits by Carly Underdog. Jack rabbits can jump high, very high. A rabbit is very, very, very close by my house. Jackrabbits are very wild, very, very, very wild. Did any of you see one? This teacher looked out the kitchen window and pondered darkness. Where Have All My Neighbors Gone? by Beth Carlson. I used to have some neighbors and could see their yard lights on. Now I look out through my window and wonder where they've gone. Did they leave to find their fortunes? Will they be back one day? I don't know when it happened. It's really hard to say. Our children have all headed out to dreams all their own. Grown up and on their way, we stay in touch by phone. I dream my children will return to this old farm once more. I imagine eyes of wonder as it's all lit up restored. Land that will nurture families and keep neighbors right nearby. May they sense this farmer guardian midst the twinkling heavenly sky. 
The Depression hit the region hard in the 1930s when the price of wheat crashed. Then grain prices went up with World War II, but dropped again from the 1950s on. People had to leave to look for work. There have always been reasons to come here and reasons to go. Bear Trees by Megan Ellingson Why, why, why? Why me, I ask? No response. Everyone's too caught up in being content to notice what it's really like here. Here in good old North Dakota, where it's cold, dull, and bleak. Old men sip their coffee, talking weather. Why do they do it? Why do they talk about below zero, or the bare trees? Do they want to be depressed? Will I move away later on? Who knows? There never seemed to be enough people on either side of the Red River. From census to census, cities grow, towns shrink. Rural schools consolidate or close. If you move away, what will you remember? If you travel, what will you find? If you come here from somewhere else, what will you see? From Place to Place by Vejin Farouk I was born in a city in Iraq. In this place I wasn't free to do much. In this place there was always violence. The people of Iraq would come and destroy people in their homes. That's why I had to run to Turkey. In this new country I lived four years in a refugee camp. My sister and brother died here. From Turkey I moved to America. America is a peaceful place, a free place. The first place I went was New York. It was too crowded. From there I moved to Fargo, a peaceful place. I lived in Fargo for six years and then moved to Moorhead, a quiet place. Then I moved to Hendrum, where everyone is friends. I live with my family of eight. We might move to Nashville. I don't know how it will be there. Childhood by Anthony Vignes. Double wide paradise, skinned knees and cracked clavicles, broken beer bottles in the sandbox and used oneies under the swing set. For Pete's sake and God bless America. For my dad's orange 72 Ford pickup and the family truckster. A white trash utopia. A civilized mind amongst community of troglodytes. A Town Too Small to Name by Alicia Helgeson Coming back from Grandma's house after Christmas break, a blizzard blows in quickly and traps us in a town too small to name. We stay the night in the worst hotel, a restless night, a musty smell. The long-awaited daylight came, and we were happy to say goodbye to that town too small to name. Like most of the Great Plains, the Red River Valley is dry. Half the year's rain comes in May, June, and July. Every now and then, the rains don't come at all, and crops fail. But some winters, snow falls deep, the river ices over, and when ice and snow begin to melt, the river can't hold it all. Floodwaters flow across the fields and into the cities. 
all around the Red River by Rebecca Johnson. I hear middle larks chirping, the wind is whistling, the fish jump and splash. I smell the rich soil, the deer are drinking, their heads down low by the rushing water. A storm is coming, crash goes the lightning, boom goes the thunder, I run home. The Flood by Jeremy Qualley. On TV, I hear the man talking about the water. My mom says, it's time to go to bed, Jeremy. Later in the night, I am startled. I can hear my mom saying, the water is coming. The dikes are breaking. Dad has called. He is helping evacuate the people in Grand Forks. When we are on the road, I ask, Mom, where are we going? My mom says, we are going to Aunt Nancy's. Two and a half weeks later, we leave Hillsboro and meet my dad 12 miles out of Grand Forks at my uncle's farm. Kennedy Bridge is closed, so we have to go through Bemidji, Minnesota and around to Grand Forks. In Bemidji, we go to the nearest Target store and try to buy my brother some shoes, along with shampoo, soap, and an atlas. We set the things on the counter. The man says the amount. Are you sure? My mom asks. Well, I don't have enough cash, but I have the credit card number. Will that work? I can ask the manager, but I doubt it, said the man. A few minutes later, he returns and says, We will not allow you to use the credit card number. When I look up, my mom is crying. I ask her, What's wrong, Mommy? Nothing. Everything is all right, she says. The man behind us in line asks, Are you all right, ma'am? Are you from Grand Forks? Yes, my mom replies. The man says, I will pay for your items. Thank you so much, says my mom. The Red River Valley gets cold. Temperatures often hover near zero on a January day. The winds make you clutch your coat and hold your hat. Dakota in Grayscale by Kim Donahauer. Dull ash, glinting silver. A soft cloud gray like dirty cotton. Winter skin reflects no light. Variations on a theme of silence whisper of a plane. The cold, thin air transmits the sound. I listen. I hear a freight train miles away. Wind makes music in the summer grass, but in winter there are no leaves to blow. The barrier of snow muffles sound. My grandmother painted the same bit of creek every day for weeks one year. The trick, she said, is to see something new in the same view. It is a trick I need now. Been snowing all day when I got home. The fire was out, the cabin was cold. I poured some stale coffee from the pot. The longer I waited, the snow got higher. I had to split some wood and build a fire. She told me she'd be gone. I forgot. Wintry Air by Jessica Ward. A farm on an open plain beyond city limits. That's where I would get away from it all. I could smell the pine trees crisp in the winter air. It could be 50 degrees below zero, but I would bundle up and go, even though my grandma told me not to go out in the cold. 
I walked outside until I couldn't feel any part of my body. I enjoyed that feeling. Then I came home. My grandma would give me a pat on the head and a glass of hot chocolate milk. I yearned to go where my grandma lives, to frolic in the knee-high snow, to get numb with cold and happiness. Oh, how I yearned to be back where I belong. How does a person in the Red River Valley make peace with winters like these, with strong wind, blinding snow, and bone-chilling cold? Have you listened to a Red River Valley winter? Serenity by Nathan Trenda On a farm 50 miles from civilization, I walk outside. I see acres upon acres of jet-black earth. In autumn, a faint haze falls upon the land. Everyone knows the bitter cold will draw near. No one else seems to understand. Who would want to live in this hell-bent region? I do. North Dakota by Dan Christensen North Dakota, where the snow comes sweeping down the field, and the slippery street can slide my feet where the wind comes right behind the snow. North Dakota, every night it's ten degrees below. Sit alone and sew and watch some snow making lazy circles in the sky. The land we belong to is neat, and the beets we grow here are sweet. So when we say, yeah, sure, you betcha, Dan, you know we're saying you're doing fine. North Dakota, North Dakota, N-O-R-T-H-D-A-K-O-T-A, North Dakota. Eastern North Dakota and Western Minnesota. In the Red River Valley, you look and you look again. There's beauty in the river flowing north and in the bare trees along the shelter belt, especially when the sun goes low behind them and the snow shimmers. The moment belongs to you alone. Paradell Midwest by Stephen Marcourt. Something holds us here. Something holds us here. Maybe it is the wind, snow, or hoarfrost on trees. Maybe it is the wind, snow, or hoarfrost on trees. Snow holds the wind on trees, or maybe us here. Hoarfrost, something it is. You say it is the friendly people. You say it is the friendly people. I say it is the loneliness of a flat field. I say it is the loneliness of a flat field. The people say it is you, the field of loneliness. I say it is a friendly flat field. You worship white churches along country roads. You worship white churches along country roads. I prefer barns and outhouses. I prefer barns and outhouses. Barns prefer you, churches and outhouses. I worship white roads, the country alone. The hoarfrost worships the snow and wind alone, a field. Something holds us. Maybe it is the country people, outhouses, the friendly roads, or a flat of loneliness. You say, I prefer the worship of barns and churches. I say, it is here, the you of the white. Something holds us here. Our bond with this land is deep. 
Our attachment to the Red River Valley requires reliance on each other, character and determination, a love of solitude and open space. Something Holds Us Here, Writings from the Red River Valley, is a production of the National Writing Project. The radio project is coordinated by Laura Paradise with support from Yana Rogers. The program was written, recorded, and produced by Deborah Beagle with help from Kim Donahauer and other members of the Red River Valley Writing Project at the University of North Dakota. Script editing by Lauren Krenzel and Kim Stafford. Stephen Erickson mixed the program. The National Writing Project is funded by a grant from the U.S. Department of Education. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit Rural Voices Radio at www.writingproject.org. I'm your host, Kim Stafford. Thank you for listening.